Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, anime fans? Welcome to the Demon Slayer After Show. Today, we are talking about episodes three and four, and we have some special guests in the house. Let's give a warm welcome to Ryan Bartley and Brooke Chalmers. Yay! Thanks. And then uh, we're going to be talking about these episodes. We have a special segment at the end. Shout out to the moms because it's Mother's Day, as well as a little bit of news. And we'll go around and introduce the hosts on the panel. My name is Carrie Lane and then Veronica. Hi, everyone. And we got Jamie. What's up, everybody? Good to be back. Great episodes. And Ollie. Hey, guys. Yay. And we do have a live chat going. So if you're watching this live, join us in the chat. Have your questions ready for our guests. And if you're watching this later, please comment down below. So let's get started on these episodes. What were your first impressions of these two episodes, Veronica? These episodes, they were good. You know, I feel like, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. Demon Slayer gets right to the point. And obviously we're going through uh, Tanjiro's training as a hero, but is a year has passed, but it's only been 20 minutes for us. So it was kind of nice to see his progression. And then once again, I just, I feel like it's such a different world. And we'll get into that when we kind of start talking about like his mentorship, as well as, you know, the demon slayers and what, and what kind of role they play in this society. Overall, I really like these because I just got to learn more about the world, which I really wanted to know last time. Mm-hmm. And Jamie. Uh, I really loved these uh, pair of episodes. So episodes three and four. What I liked about it is one, we're learning a little bit more about the demons and you know how they shift and how they're able to pretty much regenerate. But I like that we got to go inside of Tanjiro's training process. There were definitely funny moments. I'm sure we'll get into those, but it was like a lighthearted thing to see. And um, I think it was refreshing between the two episodes, although both of them were slightly different. Episode three, we're in training. Episode four, you know, he's finally passing and it's now starting to get to the nitty gritty. But um, I love that we're starting to see people show a little bit more compassion and care towards Tanjiro because he's been thrown into this world. And I think that with the characters that he's been interacting with these two episodes, we see that and it's it's needed. And Ollie, real quick, what do you think of these episodes? They were really good. What I also love, not only is it phenomenal voice acting, shout to you, Brooke and Ryan, <laughs> but um, yeah. it's it's really cool because the music is also on top of that. It's just so eerie, but it's also mesmerizing and it's cool during like the fight scenes and even just kind of like the, the quiet scenes. Uh, shout out to my girl Nezuko, sleeping for like six months. That's me in quarantine. I'm like, where's my girl? She needs to wake up. I miss her. But it's really cool. I love getting introduced to these very mysterious characters we found out a lot about some of their backstories in uh these two episodes so it's really really i'm really excited because i haven't seen the show before so i'm excited to see what's coming next nice 
So episode three is Sabito and Makomo, and one of those namesake for one of our guests. Uh, so at the beginning, we get the Demon Slayer core. We learn about a little more information, several hundred members. They're not recognized by the government. They've been around for a very long time, and the leader is unknown. So that's a little bit interesting there. Mm -hmm. uh, de info on the demons a bit more, which is great to kind of learn that, and that's during the training with Sakonji. So Brooke, uh, you coming in as Sakonji, the sensei, the, the instructor. How was it coming into this show being that kind of a character? Um, it, uh, I mean, amazing, really. <laughs> you know, I mean, for on on a logistics standpoint, how cool is it to play a character with a mask? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, he wears a mask. Lip sync is going to be great. <laughs> but you did have like jaw movement. Yeah, I had some jaw movement. Yeah, there was some. Um, no, he's uh, he's so, he, is such a cool character because there's this deep sadness that exists within him that comes out that he you know the mask is sort of like a cover i think for a lot of different things and uh i think um you know it's you know giyu sends this kid to him and here we are one one more you know kid for him to throw into the fire and he's so reluctant uh and yet rises to the challenge because he sees the the potential in him um though gives him an impossible task <laughs> at the end um and i just yeah i mean being him and voicing him is like it was just such a treat because every episode uh, was different you know there were so many different things to latch on to and different emotional beats with him um and which is the opposite because then you think oh he's got a mask oh he, this guy it should be fairly easy but also so many emotions that you have to show without having a face to show it you know um but yeah he was uh one of the greatest roles of my of my life and you know i i, I still love him very much and he will always make me want to learn how to make hot pot <laughs> <laughs> it did look good it yeah he only makes <laughs> yep. the best <laughs> did you do any sort of particular anything to find that voice for that character or how was that voice how did that voice come alive for you um you know i mean i auditioned uh they sent me the clip and so i had had the you know i had had the original japanese reference to go off of um and then yeah i just uh I read as much as i could about him and I wanted to lace his, you know, he's kind of the tired master. I mean, this is a man that has lived a long, long life, has seen, you know, has fought demons, has lived, you know, more lives than probably most and has suffered uh, for it. And so I wanted there to be a world, like a, a weariness uh, to him. And so, uh, yeah, that's like kind of, hopefully that comes through, <laughs> you know, when you watch. It does. I was going to say, um, so the last two episodes when we were talking about uh, Sakonji, I was like, I don't know how I feel about him because he just kind of seems kind of creepy. And I think it's also interesting how Tanjiro is like, no, he, he kind of has like an ominous type of uh, vibe, an ominous kind of voice. Uh, but I didn't know what to think of him at first because I was like, do we trust him? And now I'm like, no, I, I do. And I know what you mean as far as uh, hearing the weariness. I think it's more of an understanding. And I think it shows his wisdom. He's just, yeah. they, I mean, he already lost like 
multiple students, which we find out later. So yeah. I think it's more understandable. And I understand him as a character. And now I like him more. Yeah, it was an uphill mm-hmm. climb, too, because I have to get you to like him. And I'm slapping Tanjiro right when you meet me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's You're like, right. yeah. well, I, I didn't mean him any harm. Sorry. <laughs> well, Brooke, how do you kind of compare your character to other types of characters that are mentors? If you look at a lot of shonen anime, you know, you have Kakashi and Naruto, you have All Might and My Hero Academia. These are all mentors who kind of stick with the young protagonists throughout training. Uh, but your character kind of leaves for a moment of time and he's very standoffish. He doesn't really create a super strong bond with Tanjiro, at least from what we've seen in these two episodes. So how do you kind of compare that character to another mentor? Like, how, how, like do you like that type of training? Do you like seeing that type of character? Yeah, I do. Um, I think what's interesting with Orokodaki is almost he has more of a connection to Nezuko than he does uh, Tanjiro. And it's almost like he has to train him f- to protect her you know and it's uh, you know you can't have one without the other but I, I I've always I always felt that Tanjiro was like the necessary part of it but it was more because he needed her to be protected and uh I thought that was an interesting sort of twist uh and with Arukadaki too it's weird because you know yeah train 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 and then it's whoop. <laughs> you know he's just like yeah. he lets him fly the nest he's not I mean the training is obviously with him the whole way through but it's you know in in uh, uh in coming episodes uh you see that you know there's the, there's that moment where you have to let the bird fly you know he has to he has to leave the nest and um which you know which for me was kind of weird too because it's like oh he's not with him the whole way <laughs> he doesn't keep going you know um and so i don't i thought to me it was a little refreshing that it was you know this very intense training and then it was like kind of hands off it's like I, you you have all i can give you and you know now the world now now, now you have to go into the world uh thank i'm glad you brought that up because yeah total time that tantra is there is about two years uh because the first one is six months and that's like another six months and then it's a year so i was like wow this is quite a speed up of time but he has the you know, they're doing the water breathing forms, the total concentration breathing. And he says, okay, I'm all done teaching you. I can't teach you anything else. Just slice that boulder. You know, no big deal. <laughs> and that's when we meet our mystery fox man and little lady. Uh, uh, Jamie, what did you think of these mystery people when they popped up? Um, at first I was like, it's danger, danger. Like, <laughs> especially, especially when you see like a little girl, you just never know. Cause usually they're kind of evil. No, <laughs> like, I don't know. So, and I know we saw like, um, the two younger girls, uh, I want to say towards the end of the episode or probably beginning, but either way, you just never know. But, um, I think towards the end, it's like, you realize that they're actually trying to help him. And I think that that's needed. I mean, uh, when we saw Giyu, even he showed compassion to uh, Tanjiro, but it was like, it was more so towards the, the end. Whereas you could just tell that it was out of love why they were trying to show him, like, we don't want you to have the same fate that we did. And we find that out later, but I just, it, I, um, I was fooled. I feel like every character fools me. And I think maybe I have trust issues when it comes to new characters, so. But I like them. I like Wakomo. I like, I like them all. <laughs> Yay. 
And Ryan, with Macomo, how was it for you coming into this show and how did you connect with your character? Uh, well, for me, I think it's kind of a special role because they really show Tanjiro what there is to lose. They really establish the stakes. And um, it, it's kind of like set up like this foil compared, you know, you have Tanjiro and his sister and you have Sabito and Makomo. And it's, it reminded me of when I did SAO um, from like a story standpoint, Yuna and AG were kind of like, what could have happened to Kirito and Asuna if it had gone wrong? And I felt like it was kind of a similar function story-wise is to really establish um, what there is to lose. So that has to, that has to really ring true and be, the stakes have to be really high, you know? So you have to like them and, and, and see kind of Nezko's and Tanjiro's relationship in them um, as like a pseudo brother and sister kind of bond. Um, and I also kind of thought about like what Makoma would have been like when she was alive, um, because this, the character is a little bit ghostly even before you know what's going on. And so the voice was kind of supposed to reflect that, but I still really wanted her to be grounded in a way that you would, um, you would care what happens in the final selection because you know what what could happen you know so um but yeah I mean she was very special and I'm really sad that we didn't get to see more of her to be honest because their their time was brief I mean that's the thing about Sabito and Makomo is their time with Tanjiro was very brief and very effective I think and it stays with Tanjiro for his journey um so yeah, they're, they're really, they're, it's kind of funny to me too, though, because Savito just immediately kicks Tanjiro's butt. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> and then I'm like, hi, are you okay? <laughs> um, but they're really cute together. And I think that that dynamic plays really well with um, Savito just kind of kicking his butt. And then I'm there to like clean him up and like really kind of be the nurturing one. But together they, they whip him into shape, you know, and, mm -hmm. and out of love out of love for sure. And Tanjiro is so silly that he doesn't really know what's going on, um, which was surprising. I mean, when I watched it the first time, because uh, I always watch it in Japanese before I start recording in English um, to get like a full scope of the character, if I can, if, it, if it's available on Crunchyroll or something, you know. And so um, I kind of knew like where it was going, but the first time I watched it in Japanese, I didn't. And I was very surprised, but I still caught on quicker than Tanjiro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a shock to me, like with the boulder smashing. And I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, but now in, in retrospect, I see like all of the little clues leading up to that reveal. Um, but yeah, they're both very special to me. Nice. I was wondering too, um, when Sabito uh, kind of came behind uh, Tanjiro. I was wondering, like, well, why didn't he send him? But it, I'm guessing it was because they were dead. You, is, do you guys feel like that's right? Mm -hmm. Okay, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, now, now that you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, he can't <laughs> smell ghosts. What do ghosts or like spirits? What do they smell like? Anything like incense? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Alessandro. <laughs> yeah, Holly, what did out of nowhere too? Like they kind mm -hmm. of just like show up and they don't really like tell him where yeah. they're from and they say. Uh, there's more of us, but you don't see them. And they're like, we're watching you. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of clues um, in ret like hindsight's 2020, you know? Um, oh. mm -hmm. but, but yeah, it took Tantra a while to catch on. 
Ollie, you were new to this show. Uh, how was that for you? Did you think anything of them or were suspicious? I think I'm just an oblivious like audience member. I'm like, doo, doo, doo. I don't know. I'm not like thinking ahead. I just kind of just go with the flow. Um, but yeah. overall, I just kind of took it as, oh man, I hope these people or these, well, spirits, I, I don't know what to call them properly, but I hope that they're allies and I really hopefully hopefully down the road that they are here to help Tandro and we find out that they they are but because obviously you you just met this character like two episodes ago who's been through such a traumatic a massacre his family's gone you know I know a lot of months have passed since then but still he's just been through so much and you want to see him succeed and you want to help you want him to help protect his sister and become this amazing demon slayer so i at the whole time i was just like man i really hope these aren't they're not playing with him because it reminded me a lot of like alice in wonderland a little bit how you know everyone's kind of like messing with alice and they're playing her and whatnot but it was nice to kind of come at the end of the episode that they were the whole time they were there to help him and they don't want it they didn't want him to follow suit of their their um their fate their sad very horrible gruesome fate yeah. I also um, had a question too. Oh. Sorry, I was going to say, cause I, and I'm hoping that they didn't already mention this in the series, but um, with Sabito and Makamo, since they are orphans, was there a reason why Sakonjo took them in to train them? Was it because their families were also um, massacred? Or is this something that we might find out in future episodes? Because I'm like, I know it's we have short time with these characters, but I also, I'm wondering if we'll get any more backstory in the future. Brooke, do you know for your... Oh man, let, let me think. Uh, Without spoiling, but I'm just like, you know, it's yeah. like you wonder because, like, they said they're orphans, so I figure they might tell us why eventually, right? Oh man, I feel terrible. I don't remember <laughs> there being a a backstory. Ryan, do you remember there being? Yeah, a, there's not so yeah. far as I know. Yeah, I don't we, remember. That we are aware of yet. Yeah. You just um, know that that Sakonji just keeps sending them. <laughs> to test, yeah, you know. we know that he's been yeah. doing it for like 47 years or some mm -hmm. crazy decades you know mm -hmm. and that he's lost I think 13 children before Tanjiro yep. so but how he started I kind of imagined he was like Tanjiro like I imagined mm -hmm. he started as a young you know teen trying to fight demons and started recruiting his other people that were like him and he was like the the big big brother of the crew but then he just kept doing that and he became like the father figure over time and he just kept trying but then it wore down we wore it wore on him you know yeah um, but I don't know exactly like why he chose orphans or anything like that I think but I, it's weird too because I, I was thinking about Makomo like she's so small you know like how could she have even presented as like this powerful being but she was like she was agile she was um very competent I don't think he would have sent her in there if she hadn't proved herself in her own way so I tried to keep that in mind even even maintaining like her frailness and her um like sympathetic small mm -hmm. nuggetness but <laughs> also like remember that she's a warrior in her own right um you know yeah, she wouldn't have um, got there. She wouldn't have gotten into have, the mates. In the, you know, she yeah. In the live chat, Chandler says, no spoilers, but we do get some more info on them with you much, much later. Much, much later. Yeah, I was like, I don't think in the show. But um, Veronica, what did you think of these characters' introduction and the whole splitting the boulder? And then the episode ends with Sabato smiling and looking sad. 
that Tanjiro has made this next step towards possible demise. Well, it was it was nice that Makomo and Sabito were very happy and willing to help Tanjiro along with his training. But uh, for Ryan and Brooke, were you all surprised by your characters that they weren't a little bit more reluctant to help? Because as we learned with uh, Orokodake is that he lost a lot of kids who he trained when they went on to final selection and obviously uh, Makomo is one of those kids so you know when you become a demon slayer you're basically asking to do the impossible it's not like you go to a, a finishing school where there's tons of teachers you have to set out on a journey to find you know a master kind of tucked away in the forest to train you so it feels like you know they're being trained to do the impossible and with so much devastation that could happen it didn't it seemed like these characters were very happy and in wanting to help Tanjiro there was no hesitation uh I mean I think at least for Morokodaki and this uh, I was going to go back real quick too you know how does he select the students I'm the only thing I could think of is you know uh Sakonji and Tanjiro share a very specific thing they both have Mm -hmm. an amazing sense of smell and I'm wondering if there is something weirdly specific about these children, like that they have a certain smell that leads him to believe that they may make like amazing, like demon, like demon slayers. But I digress. I was just thinking that from before. <laughs> but I think with the Rokodaki too, I don't think he wants Tanjiro to succeed. I think there's a duality here because he does, yeah. he sets him up on a task that in his head is impossible. He will never do this. You know, and, uh, um, you know, obviously shocks him and saddens him when it, when it does. But it also, I think it also motivates him to like, well, he did the impossible. He, he can survive the final selection. Um, and uh, I think that it's maybe the first glimmer of hope that Orokodaki has had in, you know, 47 years mm-hmm. you know, of training. Yeah, I think um, for Makomo, I think she kind of is able to see the forest through the trees in that she believes that helping Tanjiro defeat this this demon or demons in general, but specifically the one that is out to kill her family and her extended family, you know, and hurt Urokodaki, um, like that is more important to her. Like she, she's able to say like, let's get this kid as prepared as we can because someone's got to put this demon to an end, you know, because he's a big nasty guy. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a bad one. So I feel like they're all kind of fighting the same battle. You know, they're just fighting through Tanjiro at that moment. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of messed up though. How Sakonji was like, I mean, like I, I get it, you know, it's like he knew what was up ahead of him, but I, you know, when he was like, I didn't expect you to, to pass, it's like, did you have to say that to him though? And I think it spoke volumes to Tanjiro's character as well, because uh, there were so many moments throughout the episodes where he was like, you can do that. Wait, can I do that? Or like, and it's almost as if he, literally his only hope is Nezuko. He has no type of faith in himself. And the only thing keeping him going is Nezuko. So um, I, I just think it's really interesting how it's like, he's just not, he's more pessimistic than optimistic. You know, even though it might seem like he's optimistic in his words, he was like, I'm not, I'm going to fail. That was the first thing he said when he was trying to knock down the boulder. Um, so 
I think it speaks volumes. It's just kind of messed up. It's like, dang, your own teacher didn't really believe in you. But now, now you're making him into a believer. So yeah. yeah. Well, as we've already, we said a little bit, that leads us into episode four, which is final selection. And yes, the Urukodaki says, I had no intention of sending you and I didn't want to see children die anymore, which is like, whoa, we got real dark real fast. And also, what did we think of, so we've mentioned how Tantra has this great sense of smell and he can smell the opening thread. And that is how he's able to do his attack. Ollie, what do you think of that? Of like, that is how he's able to get that final blow move. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just want him to, well, first of all, I felt like this episode was giving me major like battle royale vibes, like Hunger Games vibes. So I was already like, kind of like filled with lots of tension in this episode. Cause I'm like, oh my God, you, you guys don't die. Don't die. Like there's too many dead kids, want, want, you know, as spirits. But it's really cool. Like, I love getting to know kind of like the battle tactics of a demon slayer or what's going to make a successful demon slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, we also love the art. I just have to say, yes. like, the yes. art in this episode is crazy good. I mean, the art in this whole show is so pretty, but this episode, like, blows me away. And we see, like, the wisteria plants, too. And, mm. um, but, of course, like, all the water attacks are so pretty. Mm. I just love the animation. And the music is really good in this episode, too. It's like the combination, like the animation with the sound effects to where it gets quiet and then you see the thread. It's like, it's beautiful. And also I was gonna say, when we saw Sabido, not only what did he look sad, but he looked beautiful. His eyes, I was like, his eye color, that needs to be like a contact. <laughs> yeah, they are really pretty, aren't they? <laughs> I was like, he's gorgeous. I know. I- I just want to chime in too and say that the art of this episode was absolutely gorgeous. We've talked on the show before kind of how uh, newer anime looks uh, glossy, I think is what Jamie and I would sometimes say, and how sometimes older anime has a lot of a little bit more harsher lines and you can kind of see all that. And I love when we see like the dark outlines. It just looks really gorgeous to me, like different types of animation. Yeah, absolutely. This Uh, this show does have so many different types of animation too. I love how they use um, like comical, like comic book style and black and white for like funny moments and stuff. And it really, it does a great job at, um, at varying the tone and giving you a little, a little levity every once in a while, you know, and using the animation style to reinforce that. Yeah. The goofy expressions are super entertaining and we get that kind of weird moment. Well, not a, one of those moments, but this was a nice, like, Oh, when, Sandro tells um, Sakonji when he's leaving, say hi to Sabito and Makomo. And he's like, how did he know? Nani? So yeah. Tanjiro yeah. sees dead people? It's like, hmm. Yeah. I took that too as something that, that would give uh, Orokodaki heart because then it means that they live on somehow after. Mm-hmm. They're gone. And that's something he can hold on to you know, uh, that it's not doom and gloom and they're not completely lost from this world, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going back on something that you previously said, Brooke, you had mentioned Mm -hmm. that you feel Arukadaki has more of a connection with Nezko. And I'm just curious on uh, what makes you, like why he would be so sympathetic towards Nezko, who's a demon, when there's literally a demon out there who, after final selection after final selection has been killing his students you know uh, people precious and pe- that he cares about um 
you know, it's interesting. And there's, there's something very telling about his connection that doesn't come up until the end of the show. Um, but I, I think it's, he immediately sees that she's different. Uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, she's not trying to eat Tanjiro, you know, and that she's not there. He just, he feels there's something different about her. And I think too, you know, I read somewhere that um, Rokodaki wears the mask because the demon said he had a very kind face and that was what he's trying to hide away. And I think mm. that like Tanjiro, Rokodaki sees something in demons that they're not just these mindless things necessarily just to be killed, but there could be some humanity left that can be saved. And he definitely sees that with Nezuko. And I think that it's the really one of the first times he's able to latch on and kind of test that, that theory and that way he feels, um, you know, I mean, the things that he does for her, you know, I mean, the whole way and the promises he makes and it just, you know, to a true demon slayer would be abhorrent. And yet he's almost breaking every single rule that exists in his, his world set to protect her. Um, and I just think that that's, you know, uh, kind of a cool, a cool thing that will have threads that affect things all the way to the end of the, the season. Agreed. I was like, mm-hmm, yes, we'll put a pin on that one. Cause uh, yeah, for a while, no spoilers for anybody. <laughs> uh, and Ryan, I'm glad you mentioned the wisteria flowers. So that's a nice moment of information of like, Ooh, okay. Wars off demons. So it's like lock that piece of information away. Um, then when they get to the mountain, so tons of demons and law students and, you know, just survive for seven days. No big deal. I did love that Tanjiro goes, I'm going to head east. So I get to the soonest or the closest point where the sun will be at like the quickest amount of time. And I was like, all right. Yeah. I like that. He's so smart about that. And he gets his first and second demon encounters. And as Ryan was saying earlier, yes, this is that first moment. We get that new style of animation with the water attack. Uh, Veronica, when you first saw that, how was that for you of this new style of art? This is the first time we get to see it. That's his new fighting style. What were your impressions? It was gorgeous oh my gosh I fell in love with this scene obviously it's a very it's a very depressing scene just the way that the demon is so evil and he's describing how he uh carried out these horrendous murders mm -hmm. so that was very dark to watch but in terms of the animation the way Tanjiro fights it was so beautifully drawn like I said I love the dark outlines with the water and with the character designs and especially in um, kind of these period pieces, I feel like they, just the way that they tr uh, translate to screen or to page, you know, if this were manga, I just think it was brilliantly done. Nice. Ollie, what do you think of this new art style that was introduced? I was like, can we go back to before this started with the with the, with the, with the trees where it was a glowing, the bioluminescence of it all, because then it got so dark and creepy and gruesome with this demon and I was thinking to myself, wow, like this is a crazy, like I wasn't thinking like, okay, is this villain going to be like a huge villain going down for the rest of the season? Thankfully, no. But um, mm -hmm. it did a really good job of really like flipping, you know, just like the, the quietness of the beginning of the episode to just kind of like, wow, it's do or die at this moment. And we learn about the, the fates of his predecessors. And it's just kind of like, 
wow like we're this is it's getting it's episode four and it's getting really dark already yeah and jamie what do you think of the new style um well i loved it um i love the details and the intricacy of each move when you see the his, his breath come out and you see mm -hmm. the waves and the water breathing it's all very beautiful um and i like that you know it's it's like it, it it makes sense as it coincides with the viewer because um, mm -hmm. as we're seeing this new demon, we're seeing, you know, that he is bigger and stronger because I think he said he ate how many people? 50? Um, uh, what yeah. was that number? 50? He ate 50 kids and 13 were from Sakonji. See? So it's, and it's like, that was the, the main thing that Sakonji said was, you know, the mm -hmm. more they eat, the bigger they'll be. And it's like, we start to see that. We see a demon who uh, is able to regenerate quickly. You know, the demons we saw before, they weren't regenerating as quickly. So I think, you know, it's like we kind of see what Tanjiro is made of. Uh, but I also, what else I liked about it compared to other anime, whenever we watch any type of uh, shoujin anime, uh, it's always like the blanks of the attacks and you don't really see exactly what's going on. Whereas this one, it's more drawn out and you can actually see what's going on. So that's what makes it so beautiful and stunning. Um, and yeah. So Ryan, for you, you get to go in, you see the episode, you see your character. What was it like for you when you get to see that this is the thing that kills your character? I internalize so much sometimes of my characters that like this is one of my least favorite demons in the whole show probably my least favorite but I think that's just me because it killed me <laughs> um but uh but I hate this guy he's so ugly and terrible mm -hmm. in every way although they do try and humanize him in a weird way with the with the writing and they show his like his personal story too which is interesting um which we'll see in our next thing, episode yeah which <laughs> um i'll leave you guys to talk about next time but um but but they do a really interesting job even explaining how a demon becomes a demon and what that means mm -hmm. and how much of themselves they retain or don't um but yeah but no i i, I still hate this demon <laughs> that makes oh, sense. No. they die like so brutally and they um like the art which is stylized but still does show what happened to me and sabito mm -hmm. physically and it's very gruesome mm -hmm. um and so that is like still kind of disturbing i think of all my characters that have like died in some way or have like passed on i've played a lot of ai that are like deleted sort of kind of thing mm -hmm. maybe they die maybe they don't but of all my characters that have like died in any way which of which there's a lot um this is easily the most gruesome death so i try not to think about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the hand demon and his giggles and his laugh were just so like Ugh. uh and then for you yeah and you for you brooke you find out you're a teacher you have sent these children off and then you know as the fan and actor watching it what did you think when you got to see this demon oh yeah i mean it, horrific <laughs> yeah and it's uh um i you know, it was funny. I would try not to watch ahead when I was recording because I wanted to live a Rokodaki in the moment. But the problem was the show was so good. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just watch up to this episode. And then I'd watch four more, five more. Um, and this episode, yeah, was, um, it was it was tough because it is the realization that he's just sending kids to this meat grinder. And, you know, okay, one, that's eh, a fluke you know two but it's like 13 and and, and you, you i began to think man is he is he horrible is he like no <laughs> I, but i mean it's it, 
at what point do you stop? And I think it's because he has this hope, this, 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 this hope that one of them will do it. And mm-hmm. um, what I loved was, uh, and I think this is at the end of the episode, it's when we see Tanjiro doing the final strike. And mm-hmm. the, from the hand demons POV, and for a split second, he sees Orokodaki's face. And it's like there's that moment where they're, it's like he sees them as almost both the same, you know? And to me, I was like, that's that, that's it. Tanjiro is, is he's done. He's, he's made it. He's learned what he, you know, what he can, and he's finished. And he's finished the job. He's made these last 13 deaths mean something, Mm. you know? And I think that that to me was just such a, it's a horrific uh, demon and everything, but it felt, it was such an uplifting sort of heartwarming thing for me to see at the end, you know, for, for him to complete it. Uh, I have a question for, oh yeah, no, for both uh, Ryan and Brooke, Uh, for everyone who's watching, um, none of us, on the panel have read the manga. I don't know, Ryan and Brick, if you have, so I'm not entirely sure if this is something we come to learn. But for Urokodaki and Makomo, what do you think made them want to be demon slayers? Because we learned in episode three that demon slayers aren't really acknowledged by the government. I get the impression that they're kind of vigilantes. Uh, no one really is growing up in the society looking up to them thinking, I want to be that when I grow up, like I want to be a hero. So we see Tanjiro's motivations, but what do you think your character's motivations were for wanting to be demon slayers? That's a great question. So I haven't read any of the manga. Um, So I have, I kind of made up my own reasons to, you know, help my performance. But to me, Makomo is, it comes down to a sense of uh, empathy and like caring and wanting to protect others. And I feel like in her life, she was probably like the the sister that would like always want to want to protect her siblings. Or if if her, I I feel like there was some sort of trauma. Like she came from like a like a like a similar situation that happened to Tanjiro. Like she lost a sibling or she lost her family. Um, and so I think for her, it's about like protecting the good people around you. But that's uh, that's my best guess, like I said, because I because we don't fully really know, um, and I don't know if we ever will. But that's kind of how I ration how I rationalized it. Yeah, same same with me. I didn't read the manga, but I, it felt like uh, it felt like tragedy is is something that like you don't choose to be a demon slayer. I, I think that there's a you you suffer some sort of tragedy or so, it's foisted upon you. And uh, I, yeah, I always have, uh, viewed Orokodaki, you know, as just he, something happened, something horrific happened to him. And certain people don't even know demons exist. People just exist in their daily lives and this is nothing. And when it happens to you, you can either succumb to it or you can stand firm and say, I have to protect those who don't know from this. And I think that that, is you know so it kind of there's this nobility that exists within them all that they've taken this upon themselves to protect the rest and uh you know but unfortunately it's there's a sadness attached to it that you know you almost have to endure some sort of horrific loss in order to even know that it exists uh to move forward 
if anybody walking does want to read the manga not necessarily same for you guys just quick plug you can go check it out on viz.com uh, i'm gonna start reading that too of online because i was curious on the backstory but i loved hearing your perspectives of as an actor you have to bring that to it so great question veronica that was a good one too uh so we get another moment we've um jamie had mentioned before of compassion sh showed towards tendro but this is also when we get to see tendro praying for the first two demons he slays and he comments on there's no body there's no bones and he prays for them after what did you think of that moment uh jamie um, I mean, I thought it was nice, but I think it's maybe it's maybe it's like his upbringing, uh, and maybe he, and also it's like when I think of um other anime, cause it's like it's it's not my culture, so sometimes I'm just not quite sure fully what it means. But it's like I think of uh like Tenchi, like all the Tenchi mm -hmm. series when they would kind of pray over um even in Sailor Moon, uh, Sailor Mars, <laughs> right? It's I think yeah, it, whichever. I'm not super familiar with, with the culture, but I, I I figured it was just something with his upbringing. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like this, I feel like Tanjiro is naturally just a very compassionate and empathetic person. And I feel like even to him, and even in we, even the last two episodes we saw where he had a very hard time killing the one demon, I feel like for him, it doesn't matter who you are, it's very hard for him initially right now to get past that idea of like, I'm still killing something even though you are, you know, on the outside a monster. And I feel like, you know, he has to do what he has to do, but I feel like he's, this is his way of like, may you find peace in the afterlife kind of thing. Yeah. Also to piggyback off of that, has anybody seen um, Hayao Miyazaki's Prince, Princess Mononoke? Mm -hmm. So that's one of my faves. But um, yeah, when the, uh, the uh the boar demon uh mm. and he had the bullet and so then they prayed over him you know I, I feel i feel like that's exactly what you said veronica it's like a way to make peace before they go to the other side somehow mm -hmm. i would say just keep an eye on it because i think tandro i don't you know not spoil anything but he, his relationship to as veronica was saying of all life regardless of what kind of life is important for him and also speaking of that in afterlife Oh my goodness, his sibling talks to him when he's knocked unconscious and helps save him. What did we think of that? Was anybody like, wait, what? Go, well, Ryan. I, looks like I you're was, about to say something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like kind of surprised in that moment because I also played one of his siblings that was murdered in the first episode. So for <laughs> me, I was like, wait are we like sometimes going to maybe talk to him? I don't know, you know, so that I like definitely clocked that moment, but it was also horrifying because it was like, oh, he straight up almost just died. You know, that's the mm -hmm. only reason these people mm -hmm. are that able to connect with him, but then they also still love him and they're pushing him forward in his journey. And they're always going to kind of be in his heart and in the back of his mind. Um, and I think that's like that, that's why he fights, you know, he's always got them with him so that was a cool that was a cool moment though yeah cool character moment ollie what do you think of that of get saved by the afterlife um i think it just family is if you have a good relationship with your family i like to think that like no matter what happens whether you know death happens they're always going to be with you so that's what i kind of like thought of it when i was watching the episode so maybe we will as you were saying ryan maybe that his family members will kind of like be seen throughout this season at least more predictions wise but 
maybe hopefully they'll help him, you know, cause like we didn't even get to meet the rest of the family. We like briefly, but maybe we'll learn a little bit more about them. And there's just still something about Tanjiro that we're, Tanjiro that we're not fully, at least I'm not getting, like there's just something about him that's very special. So I'm excited to see how, what they're going to do with that and how that's going to be implemented. And speaking of him being special, we also get a couple scenes during this whole sequence of fighting with Sabato and Makomo talking of, do we think he can make it? So Ryan, how were those scenes for you of, you know, you're hoping this guy survives, but you don't know. Yeah, so much insecurity. I feel like they really didn't know. That was the scary thing is that when you have like um like these ghost-like characters or they're somehow otherworldly, you that usually they kind of know, but in this case like they really did not know if he was going to make it. And there's times, there's a time, there's one moment where Makomo says to Sabito, "Can he can that demon even be killed? Like we actually don't know. His neck might be too thick." um to even cut you know and that was like really kind of a scary moment because you realize that as much as they helped him and they trained him it's anyone's guess if he's going to be able to do this you know and it really kind of like prolonged the um the tension through that episode and the first time I watched it in Japanese um I definitely would assume that Tanjiro's not going to die because he's the main character but it was like I don't actually know how this is going to go down like maybe he's going to have to retreat and leave the final selection I don't know because it seems like these ghost people they straight up don't know if he can do it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, yeah so it was kind of I was shocked to see like their level of sort of fear for him because they acted pretty confident when they sent him off they, they kind of told him he was ready. And then behind his back, like while they're sort of aware of what he's doing, they're sort of revealing all these insecurities that they have about his abilities. Very true. Uh, any So that brings us to the end of episode four. Uh, from the host, any quick thoughts on the episode that we didn't cover yet before we get to our other segments? I'm excited for the next episode. I know. It's going to be hard not to binge it because I'm not, I'm not binging yeah. it. I'm watching it week by week, two episodes a week. So, and it's so hard. So I just want to kind of go into it like with like open expectations, like every week. So, but I love it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, you know, in the last couple episodes, Tanjiro has been visited by the afterlife quite a bit. And I feel like this is going to be a reoccurring thing with him. I don't know, but that's just kind of what I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, so we're going to get into our special segments. We have some quick, quick news. And Veronica. Yes, so four news for everyone who wants to add to their quarantine collection of DVDs. Demon Slayer will be coming uh, to DVD in a special limited edition Blu-ray set, as well as the standard edition Blu-ray set. Uh, these so the limited edition will be coming June 2020 with the first half and the second half will come November 2020. The standard edition will be available September 2020 with the second half available, I believe, January 2021. And of course, with every fun, you know, Blu-ray edition box set, you get all these cool things you get with this one, excuse me, you get fun bonus materials like the soundtrack CDs, uh, exclusive illustration card sets, special booklets, with arts scenes and designs and comments from the staff. So make sure to get this to add to your collection because who knows how long we'll be stuck inside for. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
And then for our special segment, we do our word of the day. And since it's Mother's Day, we are doing the word Okasan. And we give a quick shout out to some special anime moms that we all picked. So let's show some of those photos. And Veronica, do you want to, or yeah, it was like, who's so, our first one? Uh, so first one up is Bulma. And uh, for anyone who is not new to our panel, three guesses on who chose Bulma. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, do you want to talk a little bit about why you love Bulma? Sure. Um, okay, so I know in the anime world, everyone has like their favorite anime and, and DBZ is not like my sole favorite. There are plenty of other anime that I love, but it is one that is near and dear to my heart since I was about, I want to say six years old, which mm -hmm. is pretty much when it started to air in the US. Um, and, I, you know, what I like about Bulma is one, Dragon Ball would really be nothing without her, at least a huge part of it would not be anything without her. Um, and not only is she smart and the daughter of like a genius scientist, but she's beautiful and she's witty and she tells it like it is. And I think that's so important to see in animated characters. And that's why she's so popular even till this day throughout this extremely popular series. She's one of the most cosplayed characters. Everybody knows who she is, um, no matter what blue wig you're wearing. So I almost wore a blue wig today, actually, uh, <laughs> just to pay homage. But yeah, Bulma is a great character and I have so much love for her. Um, that's why I also named my puppy Trunks. Uh, and Bulma's like my cosplay alter ego whenever I want to wear a blue wig. So that's why I chose her. Thank you. Uh, up next, we have Kagome's mom, which was my pick. I just want to keep it short and sweet with her. Kagome's mom, while some people might look at her and be like, are you crazy for sending this 14-year-old girl off to fight demons in an unknown land that you, have, you know nothing about? At the end of the day, I love Kagome's mom because of how compassionate and understanding she is. You know, she, Kagome is doing these crazier-than-life things, but at the same time, she's still a young girl who is navigating, you know, heartbreak for the first time as well as kind of deciding what life choices to make as we're all trying to figure out when we are that young adolescent. So I just love how understanding she is with Kagome and yeah, so she, so Kagome's mom was my pick. And then next we have Maruka's mom. Yeah, so we have uh, Junko Kaname, Kaname. Um, and I just picked her because we covered Monica on here and so it's kind of fresh in my mind and she was such a cool mom character watching. She spoke very uh, casually with her daughter, which felt like, you know, very relatable. She wasn't, you know, some superior parent and they just were able to have a real conversation and she was just really supportive and just a really cool mom. Cool mom. And finally, <laughs> I'm a cool mom. And finally, we have another cool mom. We have Naruto's mom. So Jamie also threw out this character. Jamie, if you want to say any words about her. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. Okay, so um, Kishina Uzumaki uh, was Naruto's mother. And uh, if you've seen Naruto Shippuden, that's where you kind of see more of her character versus the uh, original Naruto series. But uh, she originally had the nine tails within her. And well, maybe I shouldn't spoil it if you guys haven't seen it, but regardless, <laughs> she um, sacrificed her life for Naruto, and it was just the uh, love of this this mother that, you know, it's the whole the whole story behind it, and I think it's just totally um, honorable, and she's our honorable mention for mothers, so, yeah. Cool. And Thanks. before we go, and before we go on that, Brian and Brooke, are there any anime moms that stand out to you? I was going to say, um, Yui Ikari, which is Shinji's mom in Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, 
I got to play Yui uh, in the Netflix dub that came out um, in last year. And uh, that was really special. And she's a really, for a lot of the same, like she's very smart. She's very loving. She, her love kind of like permeates um, through Ray even eventually. And, um, and also another one that I, I got to play a, a very similar to Yui and Ray. Um, I played uh, these characters um, in Cagister of an Insect Cage, which is a, ne- a Netflix show. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And it's the same thing where the mom figure, well, it's actually the reverse. It's kind of hard to explain and I won't spoil it, but basically the, the, she's a clone of someone else and she kind of like channels these feelings and it like is this weird connection. Um, but it also really shows the impact of a mother's love and sort of this timeless, like really powerful way and in a sacrificial way. And just a lot of, a lot of thematic, um, similarities to Evangelion. If you like Evangelion, maybe check out Cagister. Um, But yeah, and then also just shout out to my mom. I love you, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. And every mom that's that's watching and all mother figures, um, just of all kinds. Thank you guys for everything. Um, Brooke, unless you got something real quick, we are unfortunately towards the end of our time and got to oh, wrap. No, you're, you're good. Uh, shout out to my right, mom cool. and my wife. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thank so you fun. for joining us. Uh, I hope real quick, check Rick. out the Blu-ray of Demon Slayer too. I'm so excited for the box set. Yes, yeah, uh, Ryan, where can people find you online? Oh, on Twitter, I'm at Ryan Bartley, which is R-Y-A-N-B-A-R-T-L-E-Y. On Instagram, I'm at E Ryan Bartley. And on Facebook, I'm actor Ryan, Facebook.com slash actor Ryan Bartley. And Brooke, where can people find you? Oh man. Uh, so, uh, Brooke Chalmers, VO.com is my website. Uh, Twitter is, uh, Dervish 818, uh, at Dervish 818. Uh, just look for me dressed up like an old English sea captain and you'll know you've gotten <laughs> to the right place. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Jamie, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at it's Jamie Gray, or I'm also on Instagram a lot more, uh, at Jamie Gray and it's spelled different. J-A-I-M-I-G-R-A-Y. Ollie. Hey guys, follow me at Ollie Dreamer. Veronica. Hey everyone, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. And my name's Carrie Lane. Thank you so much for watching. Huge thank you to our guests for joining us. And uh, you can find me online at Carrie D Lane. That's K A R I D L A N E. Thank you so much for everybody joining, watching, and stay tuned for next week. We got more guests ahead. All right, see you all. Take care. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.